Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brennan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Going YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rafael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, joined by Eric this week. We're back for the Daytona 500 recap. The regular season has officially begun. This episode is brought to you by Washington on the Daily, SpoilerDieCast.com, and 213Simware.com. Check their links in the description below. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing pretty pretty okay. Yeah, pretty well. Uh, I got break this week, so I'm just uh, enjoying that, and I'm Excited for Auto Club because uh, it's obviously the last race we'll have here for a little bit and uh, was really good last year. So just excited to see how that turns out. Yeah, I am excited as well. I don't think I'll be able to watch much of the race between some events I have going on this weekend, but I'm excited to see how that event goes in what looks like will be the final event at the two-mile configuration of the track, which is sad. We'll get to that in segment three. First of all, how was your day, Toto 500? What were your initial thoughts and reactions before we get into the top 10 and breaking the race down? Well, my uh, my reaction to the race was that this was a significantly more average 500 compared to the ones I've watched uh, in past years. Um, the, to be entirely fair, I've watched um, some very weird 500s. Um, 2021 Daytona 500, we had that huge rain delay. Uh, I had to stay up way later than I should have to watch it. Um, but well, overall, that was a decent race. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that one. That one ended at like one o'clock in the morning, right? So, like for you, it ended when the sun was coming up. Yep. Jeez, I didn't even think about that one. I pulled an all-nighter. It was already like two or three in the morning. By the time the cars got back going, and I was like, you know what? I stay up this late, might as well. Hmm. Um, I yeah. guess that contributes to my very weird sleeping pattern. Anyway, 2022 was, was really good. I really enjoyed this one. 2023 was was a bit of an average Daytona 500, at least from my from my perspective. If it was average from a, like a big event perspective and also from a super speedway race perspective, there wasn't really much like going on. It was just your average one-of-the-mill super speedway race. And honestly, I think that's a good thing considering the amount of crazy wrecks we've had lately. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, my one takeaway from the race, it, it didn't feel like a wreck fest. And like you said, it it was pretty average, pretty standard. It was mostly enjoyable, but like, it's not, this is, this is never going to be one of those. Oh my goodness. Do you remember where you were for that race? You know? Yeah, it could have, um, depending on who won, it could have been a very memorable 500. And I still think it was because we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into the winner more later, but Stenhouse was still a great story. But considering who else was in the running, um, it could have been a way better story depending on who won it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I think if it ends under green as well, that helps. Um, not a single race in, in, Aside from Arca, 
the 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 truck race, the Xfinity race, and the Cup race, none of them finished under green flag. All of them finished under yellow, uh, or in the case of the truck race, by rain. Both the Xfinity and Cup race were decided by um, the the field being frozen when the yellow came out, and that was who the winner was, being that a wreck occurred on the final lap. Um, and so, which I will say, let's just let's just get this out of the way. Um, I believe. NASCAR was right in throwing the caution for Daniel Suarez with three to go. And they were also right in throwing the caution on the last lap, given the hits that Keselowski and Larson took. And I don't even want to debate that. Like, that was a caution. That was a dangerous wreck. And they had to make sure that they got uh, safety people out there. Um, I suggested this idea to you um, on the day of the race after after the finish, but I, I might as well mention it on the bo- podcast as well, since I think it's an interesting topic of discussion. Um, I suggested the idea of uh, having an exclusive rule for the final lap regarding cautions in which everyone past the wreck gets to race back to the line, but the people that are coming towards the wreck have to slow down. So that way... Whoever gets past the wreck can still race and we can still have a good finish. But, you know, everyone who is actually in danger of being involved in the wreck still has to slow down and and uh, follow caution rules. And I was wondering uh, what your thoughts would be on that. Well, I, w- I would just think, especially at a super speedway, isn't that kind of what happens um, for if there's a wreck and they keep it green? Because if you're behind the wreck, you're not going to go flying through there. You don't want to end up in the wreck. So you're going to slow down regardless, you know? Well, I think the only difference would be that would, you know, be here. That would be here. be would be the fact that um, the, the field wouldn't get frozen. You could still race back. Um, and we haven't had a, uh, a huge super speed, wreck not end in a caution in, in years. I mean, I don't remember the last time that's happened. So, um, I mean, you had a couple of races in 2020 where there's a wreck out of four. I think that's the big difference here with this wreck as well on the final lap, that if this happens in three and four coming to the line, I think they do keep it green. It's the fact that it was in turn one and there would be cars uh, coming, like once the race finished, if you kept it green, there'd be cars flying across the finish line at 200 miles an hour and having to get slowed down, uh, coming very quickly up to a wreck. So I, I think that contributed as well. But I mean, you saw the fireball that came out of Hamlin's car, you know? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You need to throw the yellow there. I, I, I think you have to err on the side of caution in this case. Yes, I agree with that. Um, still really wish I, they could have raced back, but um, that would have required the wreck not happening. Um, in this case, it did. So um, I totally understand them throwing the caution. But uh, considering a lot of people have been uh, you know, vocal about wanting the race to stand in green when possible, I think this would be an interesting rule that could be explored. Oh, absolutely. Here, here's my question for you. So, so Stenhouse... Logano and Bell were the ones who mainly made it through. I think Busher, Bowman, and Almendinger also did make it through. But I don't know. I, I forget how close they were. Who wins if this goes green to the line? You, like, the wreck happens, but they don't throw the yellow. Who wins that race? 
Honestly, I have no idea because if I remember correctly, they never really showed footage of them like racing away from the wreck. If I would have to say, I would I would lean a little bit towards Logano because um at that point it was just you know it was just him, Stenhouse, and Bell. It would there was there would be no like drafting help, and the Fords looked to have a bit more straight line speed at uh, last week at Daytona, just straight up single car straight line speed. So I think in a drag race, Logano would have probably won that. Yeah, but you know, you have you don't have any manufactured teammates. It's not like you'd have two Chevys, two Fords, two Toyotas to team up on the on the other guy. I, I'm pulling it up right now. So this wreck. It looks like the top five. It looks like, or, or top four, actually. It looks like Stenhouse, Logano, Bell, and Busher made it through. That's all. I think, I would think it probably goes to Logano. But I'm not sure. I guess, I guess it doesn't matter, really. We can run through the top ten now. Um, starting with Riley Herbst, who spins out, uh, coming to the pit road on the first pit cycle of the day. Uh, recovers to finish to 10th. That's that's really impressive in his first career cup start uh, for Rick Ware Racing as well. Um, any thoughts on Riley Herbst? Uh, I would have much rather have seen David Reagan in that car. Um, but, uh, hey, I mean, Rick Ware had a, a decent day, all things considered. Uh, Cody Ware finished 14th, I, I think. So, um Overall, a decent day for them. Yeah, I I can't say they're getting much better, but I mean they're not the slowest cars on the track anymore. I think that probably goes to Spire or uh, Live Fast at this point. So I mean, they're not horrible. Good for them, I guess. Look, they. This is a big thing. They were able to keep up with the draft all day. Like they were in the pack and racing. That's not something we could say for Rick Ware Racing last year. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're they're just a a standard back marker, not a special bad back marker at this point, which is okay. They can get some good results with this car. All right, uh, you got the the next one, right? Do you have that? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I have it pulled up. Um, right. So we have Ross Chastain coming in uh, in ninth. Uh, a decent day for Ross. He won a stage. He won the second stage. Um, I don't remember if he was caught up in any big wrecks. Uh, he might have honestly been caught up in, in that final wreck. To be honest, so many cars were, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, good day for him. Good points day, all things considered. When you come to a super speedway like this, if you're not really in it for the win, you can really only hope to just make it through the race, right? Like, if you don't have a chance at the win, just try to get to the line. I think, And I think Ross did that just about as well as he could. And, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And this is certainly a really good start to the year. Yeah, I mean, he had 38 points. That puts him sixth in the standings. So uh, pretty impressive. He, he he racked up a good amount of stage points, which is good good for him. Uh, coming home in eighth, Ryan Blaney involved in the first wreck of the day and managed to somehow, I don't know how, they, they A, got that car to minimum speed with the damaged vehicle policy. B, they lost a tire. He drags it all the way back around the track later in the race on the rims 
again, they don't pull him out of the race. They keep it going, and he finishes eighth. I mean, look, I'm sure – I mean, Blaney was my pick to win. Um, I'm sure he's disappointed that he got uh, – that he had, he did not – he got caught up in a wreck and wasn't really a factor, but by dodging the last couple of wrecks, it's a pretty impressive day for Blaney to end up with eighth after after the mess that he went through. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm pretty sure at some point it was also a couple laps down. So, um, that 12 team, um, they don't they don't really execute much at the end of the races. But when they're in trouble, they always and I mean always somehow get back in it. Like I've never seen the 12 team just straight up fold. They're always in it, and I think that is an ability a lot of teams in the garage lack. Um, I mean we've seen plenty of teams, uh fold because of the uh, damage vehicle policy clock or 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 damage clock or whatever it's called not Ryan Blaney the 12 team somehow always manages to repair the car and get it back out there and just run laps just log laps and they still end up with a decent finish it's it's a lost art i mean you know look the damage vehicle policy one of the most disappointing things about it is that you don't uh you don't see the like herculean repair efforts or, you know, you hear stories from, like, 2004, you know, that kind of era, you know, that story of Dale Jr., the team changing an engine mid-race and him getting back out there to finish the race. It's like, you don't, that doesn't happen anymore. And it, and it's, for one thing, it's because they don't have the time. And second of all, the teams don't value finishing, I don't think, as much as they used to. And the point system doesn't incentivize finishing and picking up three extra spots as much as it used to. And and yet, the 12 teams seem... This is not the first time they've done something like this, you know? They, they like you said, they don't fold. They they have... Uh, they, they keep their composure even when everything goes wrong. And it seems like things have gone wrong a lot for the 12 recently. Um, and, and they... They figured out, and and this is I, I am very impressed by this run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could argue uh, this quality they have saved Ryan Blaney uh, from playoff elimination in the regular season finale last year. I mean, he was caught up in a wreck, right. but they just kept going, and that's what saved them. Truex um, was also in a wreck, but he didn't rally back as well as Ryan did. So, uh, in the end, it went to Blaney because his team was just a lot more stuck together than I would say the 19 the 19 was absolutely I mean they it, it, it's it's very impressive it's it's fun to watch all right you got the next guy I want to hear what you have to think about about the seventh place uh we have uh Daniel Suarez um he had quite the uh eventful week at Daytona I could say um he really did not drive like how we know Daniel Suarez drives re- usually. He made a lot of mistakes. And um, he was kind of a party pooper. Like, let's be honest. He he really uh, he really ruined what could have been a very cool historic finish. I mean, nothing against Suarez. I mean, it could have been anyone in his place. It just happened to be Suarez. Somehow, he still finished seventh, which I guess is more than uh, more than the guy's he screwed in that with that caution could say um good for him i guess both track cars in the top 10 continuing to be impressive even after their 2022 uh breakout season hopefully they keep this speed uh, throughout 2023 as well 
Yeah, I just watched it again here on my phone. Jimmy spun him. Like, that wasn't his fault, the spin at the end of the race. But he kind of screwed Kyle Busch over twice in the span of four days. So I'm sure Kyle is very happy. It makes me wonder if they weren't driving for the same manufacturer, what uh, we'd hear Kyle saying about him. Um, but, you know, it's it's Mexico coming back to get him, you might say. He's not going to do time in jail, but he's definitely going to, you know, <laughs> have some trouble with, with Mexico, I guess. Mexico's coming to get him after all. Yeah. In the form of Daniel Suarez, I guess. In the form of un amigo. <laughs> now they're enemigos. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, good run for Suarez. He had a, a bit of a tough day. And, you know, to, to be able to – everyone on this list, uh, was involved in something it seems and so for him to recover to get a top 10 is, is commendable coming home in sixth is AJ Allmendinger um, he was up front late making moves I Allmendinger is going to be a threat this year I feel very confident in my pick of putting him in the playoffs at this point I, I oh absolutely I, I, I yeah I am not worried about that pick at all um, although with Stenhouse winning, you know, it is already, the playoffs have already been blown up, right? Um, but good run for, for Allmendinger. He had, he had a pretty solid day and, and comes home with a good finish. Um, next up in fifth place, we have Alex Bowman actually finishing a plate race and one he qualifies well at. That is that is great for, for a 48 team already riding high with, the, with Blake Harris, with the new crew chief. Um, they were, they were decently competitive all day. Like I, I never really saw them fall back a significant amount. They were always just right there, you know, at the cusp of, of threatening the top five and maybe even the lead a couple of times. He led 12 laps. Um, I mean, overall a solid day for Alex Bowman. I, I mean, you can't really get much better than this. I mean, he would just have to win if it were to get much better than this. And, um, yeah, I, I think he did a fine job. He finally converted a, a, a Daytona 500 pull into a good finish. I was watching with Connor, um, and he was saying it's the first time he's, it's the first time he can remember Bowman finishing the 500. So, um, there's that. Um, that team has a different vibe about them this year. And you mentioned Blake Harris. I think it's the Blake Harris effect. We won't know for sure for a couple months until we see how this team really starts the season. But based off of how they ran at the clash, um, just the, the overall, you mean, I mean, that team had a couple slow pit stops. Apparently, according to something I saw on Reddit, he had an amazing save that Fox missed because they were on board with uh, Noah Gregson or something. Um, the only people at the track, it happened like, People at the track didn't even see it. The only the only way people know about it is because MRN, like the corner uh, voice, got all excited about him being sideways and saving it. But I don't know if you remember, but he had to pit at one point and they were fixing some damage. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it came from that. He saved it and, and kept it going. But just, you know... They did not have an easy day. I mean, nothing went horribly wrong for them, but they it, it's they had slow pit stops. They had uh, some some issues on track, and they still recovered for a top five, which is really impressive. Chris Busher, 
led 32 laps, comes home with the second most points in the race. Good uh, stage finishes in both uh, stage one and two. Finishes fourth, leads or, or, or was leading late with teammate Brad Keselowski before uh, things happened. But uh, good run for for Chris. Um, here's my actual pick to win, but unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Christopher Bell finishes third. Um, great day for Chris. Uh, blood twenty laps was up front pretty much all day. Um, and was one of the only Toyotas that actually showed any uh, significant amount of speed, which honestly has been the trend for a little bit now. I mean, going back and in, even into 2022, um, Christopher Bell was leading the Toyota camp and he continues to do so even in the first race of 2023. Um, I am so excited about, about Christopher Bell. This is going to be an absolutely incredible season for Christopher Bell and for his fans. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Um, we're gonna see a shift, and finally, we're gonna see a shift in uh, in um, the leading drivers at Toyota. It's been the veterans for a very long time. I think we're finally gonna see a shift here. I agree. He uh, he he's gonna be the top Toyota this year, and it's it's pretty obvious at this point. I feel like the the consensus is growing. That's that is probably a uh, that is a championship contender. He Bell Bell is is one of the title favorites at this point. Coming home in second, we have Joey Logano. Comes oh so close to winning his second Daytona 500, but does not come up with it. He led 12 laps, comes home with 52 points, the most of the series between stage points and his finish. And I think if that race stays green, as I said earlier, he ends up winning it. But it doesn't matter really who finishes second, especially if it's Joey Logano and his his. Okay, um, you know we're we're gonna debut a new segment. Um, we're gonna debut a new segment in a couple minutes called the the smooth move of the race. Um, but if we were to do the opposite of that, I think we could unanimously agree that it's Joey Logano's new hair. Uh, yes, absolutely. It looked fine for the clash. It was good. I don't know what he did to it, but now it's just like, it looks like he has like clay or something on his head, on his head. Like it doesn't look like hair. It's he fake. stole? Who, who, the, the people, I was watching with Connor and, and our friend Donovan and my brother, and there was some guy that needed hair. We we're, and we were saying that they stole it. Oh, oh, it was, um. Uh, so we made this uh, realization when they did the command. Have you ever seen Richard Petty without his hat on? Holy crap, no. <laughs> See your voice. <laughs> I mean, the realization, it just hit me. I've never seen that man without his hat. I mean, I've seen the old pictures, but... What is the newest picture you can find without him wearing his hat? Like the 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 I mean even even I mean probably the 90s I mean his hair's okay I found a picture from like the late 80s early 90s like right before he retired um but we don't know where the man's hair is gone so our theory is that Joey Logano took Richard Petty's hair wouldn't it be like gray and aging hair, though? 
Joey Logano is getting up there in age. He's 31, not 77. Also, there's no way that that hair isn't dyed. That Joey's new hair is way too dark and like solid color for like my hair isn't that solid color, you know? Dude, there's no he way. Looks, somehow he looks younger than when he was like 19 and he won at New Hampshire. I don't know about that. But Joey Logano, the first edition of the not smooth move of the race. He looks like ah, I'm trying to place it. I it just I miss balding Joey Logano. I really do. I mean, I don't, but I feel like he nailed the look of the hair for the clash, and now we're just like now it's just yeah. awkward. But I think he I think he has a sponsor. I like how when I type into Google, you get Joey Logano, and then the next entry is Joey Logano new hair. Get out of here. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. The first entry is net worth. Not for me. Maybe it knows my preferences. Uh, we'll, we'll stop there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wins the 65th running of the Daytona 500. His third career win all on Super Speedway racetracks. First win since 2017. JTG Doherty's first win since 2014 with AJ. It's almost been a decade since that race. That makes me feel old. Um, Thoughts on Ricky Stenhouse uh, winning the race? I'll share mine in a second. I mean, anyone who says this was a fluke win, it does not pay attention to Ricky Stenhouse or just how good he is here because he's always in it. Like he's not, he wasn't like, no, no disrespect to McDowell, but up until 2021, he was never really like a super speedway ace, right? Like you, you were never like going to say, Oh, Michael McDowell is going to lead 50 laps. He's going to win the Talladega next year. No, like he, he started really showing up on the super speedways after he won Daytona. Ricky Stenhouse has always been in contention. So this is, Really not a surprise. I mean, anyone would have expected him to win a 500 at some point in his career because he's just that good. Yeah, I I would, I would agree. I, I I mean, last year he was leading right at the end of the race before he got turned. I think by Brad, um, because Brad turned everyone last year. Um, like you said. Anyone who's surprised by this should not be. And and here's the interesting thing that's come out to me after this is that the whole team just looks more put together. And maybe it's because they've got the spotlight on them from winning the race. But I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having a really solid year outside of a likely playoff berth. I mean, listen, most people said as soon as the race was over, well, we know who's finishing 16th this year. But... I don't know if that's the case. This definitely is not a McDowell 2021 situation. Like, I think this team is is better than than front row was at that point. I think also this is um, this really props up Stenhouse for the conversation of the four car. I mean, he wins his first race of the season. Um, he does it at the biggest race of the season. 
He does it in the first week of the season with the owner of the car he's probably eyeing, watching and commentating him doing it. Like, that is just perfect. Yeah. And and I will add this. This is the cleanest I've seen Stenhouse race at a super speedway ever. And he wins it. I mean, could could Ricky have finally turned the corner? Because there's not one sketchy move I saw him make all race. He every move he made was golden. Everything was timed right. It was one of those things where you look at the pack with four to go and you're like, how did Ricky get there? I haven't seen him all day, which typically at a super speedway, you do see him early in the race when he's wrecking or he's given a massive push to someone that almost wrecks them. And and you didn't see that. He was calm. He was collected. I mean, he got out of the car and he was, he wasn't even like worked up, you know, it was kind of weird, kind of made it feel anticlimactic, but like, this was a different Ricky. Absolutely. And I think Ricky Senhouse is um is gonna be the next Truex, honestly. If he gets that four car, oh, he will cool. he will be a a very, very, very consistent threat threat for wins. Because really think about it. Stenhouse won two back to back Xfinity championships before he was twenty five. And before bushwhacking was outlawed, too. Yeah, he was going toe-to-toe with, with Kyle Busch and with Carl Edwards and Rebecca Kozlowski every single week. And he won back-to-back championships. And what did he have in Cup? What what did he drive in Cup? He dro- drove, you know, Roush when they were already just garbage. And they, he drove for, he's driving for JTG. Like, he has never had a competitive car. Like, just like Truex... He came into DEI right when they were getting crappy. Then he drove for, for Michael Walter Racing, which was, you know, hit or miss. Until he got to that 78 car. When Ricky gets to that Ford car, that will be his first actual good car. And that that's when we'll see the actual Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I hope I hope you're right. That'll be interesting. But here's here's the here's the thing I'm gonna throw in here. Ricky loves JTG. JTG loves Ricky and Kroger loves both JTG and Ricky. That like, so you know, I was I, I typically listen to the Athletics, uh, Jordan Bianchi and Jeff Gluck on their podcast, the Teardown. Like first, as soon as it comes out after the race, because it comes out, they record like right after the race. It comes out within a few hours, and I typically listen the next day, like going to school and stuff. And they and Bianchi was saying that Kroger absolutely loves that team they love stenhouse stenhouse is bought in 100 to that team you know it may look to us as a mid-pack team and, and you think oh of course he wanted to get right out of there but after hearing some of the things he said the the way the team talks about them him and and he talks about the team I don't know. And, and the other thing that got revealed is that they have all the infrastructure that Stenhouse has said they have the same they when he moved from Roush to JTG, he was shocked at how much better their equipment, their tools, all that was compared to to Roush. So that team is not a slacking team. For whatever reason, they have completely dropped the ball the last couple of years, but they have the money, they have the resources, and maybe this is what finally kickstarts that program into it being a, a strong organization. And if I'm Ricky, I wouldn't want to leave that. 
Um, that's also a good point. Taking into consideration the fact that Ricky's with a new crew chief. He's with Mike Kelly now, um, which I'm pretty sure is the crew chief he won his Xfinity championships with. Yes, he is. And um, I heard this really interesting uh, story about Phoenix last year, the final Phoenix race, where Brian Patty and, and Stenhouse were having this this like really huge argument during the race because Patty did not, didn't want to pit the car to fix damage, and Stenhouse was really upset about that. So I think just overall, the 47 team under Patty was just not cooperating properly. Yeah, I mean... It, it, so maybe it changes all they needed. And and you hear Mike Kelly, uh, there's stories about how close he is with Stenhouse and uh, some of the, the things they did and, and, you know, how well they worked together. Of course, they won championships together in Xfinity. That, that's, that's pretty dang impressive. And I, I'm very optimistic for this season and for the future of the team as well. All right. Before we close out this um, segment... Uh, we got to debut this new segment, which or mini segment within a segment, whatever you want to call it. The smooth move of the race debuting this season. Um, something a little bit insignificant, something uh, you found interesting that some other people may not have noticed. Uh, what What is your smooth move of the race? Interesting. Um well, I guess it wouldn't be called. I wouldn't call it insignificant because it it did, I guess, influence the race quite a lot. But I just have to hand it to Ryan Blaney's comeback. Like that was just a perfectly executed race given the circumstances. Um, that is the big difference between I would say, um, the I don't know, like the forty eight team under Greg Ives and 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 uh and the twelve team like throughout because. Under Greg Lives, for example, the 48 team um, was very weak, very easy to crumble, right? Um, that changed with Blake Harris, right? What Ryan Blaney has and that 12 team has always had what Blake Harris brought to the table with, with the 48. So I just have to give it to how consistent and just how, you know, straightforward and and um, just powerful that 12 team is. They just know how to get it done when disaster strikes and and that is like as you said a quality that is not uh as common as it used to be i'd agree that's a very smooth moment of the race my move as much as people were ticked off about it is aj allmendinger when he was being lapped in stage one not going to the high and low side and forcing the pack to split up around him you know why he got the free pass and within he was leading the race in the next stage and ended up finishing sixth. You know where Bubba Wallace finished? Bubba finished 20th. Could never recover because Bubba was in the free pass position. Almendinger pulls that sketchy move that almost wrecks the field, but it worked, and he ended up with a much better finish because of it. Could have won the race. Absolutely. He was really close to winning that. And and, and, and I, I love it was funny seeing people ticked off at him. And I was like, you watch this is, it's going to end up being a huge deal. And it did. So I would love to get a sponsor for what, what I, I wonder what the best sponsor for, for that segment would be. I, I like, I liked how that went. It'd, be, it'd have to be like a drink sponsor, right? Maybe like some, some lube sponsor. I don't know. No, might have to edit that out. Um, 
the, the Valvoline smooth moment of the race, maybe. Yes. Smooth motor oil. Um, we'll, we'll stop it there. Coming up next, we will preview the racing at Fontana. Uh, what will be the final race at the two-mile configuration? So sad. That's coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. You made it to the final segment of this week's show, as we always do during the season, previewing this next weekend's race coming up at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. The final race at this configuration, possibly final race ever. I sure hope that's not it, but uh, there's NASCAR's being a little uh, tight-lipped on their plans for this facility now. I don't know if you noticed that. It's a little concerning. They might just be selling the land it feels oh man that would really suck especially like just the fact they're reconfiguring in the first place kind of sucks because the racing's so good now well see here's the thing though it took i don't know when it got repaved but it took 15 years at least to get to this point if we repave it now we probably aren't seeing this kind of good racing until 2040 and and that's not worth it, you know. I don't think I don't think it's worth it, really. And you know, you do need a, a short track on the West Coast. If they can do it right, I can understand it, you know. Yeah, I just hope that we won't like completely lose the track, which is, I mean, it's 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 possible because they're being like you said, they're being so tight lipped about it. We have no idea what's really going on with with Auto Club. Well, the van, the the land that it sits on is incredibly valuable, unfortunately, uh, or I guess fortunately, NASCAR's original plan was to like sell half of it, convert the rest to the short track, and so they get the best of both worlds. You get a brand new shiny short track on the West Coast, which we don't have. There is currently not a Cup Series, really a a National Series. Uh, capacity and quality short track facility on the West Coast because I don't count Phoenix. I don't know if you count Phoenix, but I don't count Phoenix. I don't know what Phoenix is trying to be, but I wouldn't call it a short track. Yeah, exactly. You don't have one on the West Coast. And, you know, that short tracks are NASCAR racing's bread and butter. Now, I think part of what makes people wary of this change is the fact that the short track package kind of sucks right now. But that's a lot easier to change, you know? I think I think uh, it's smarter to make this move, although it does stink that this track is running really well right now. Also, I don't know if you've looked at the weather, but it's not good. Um, I believe the highs are in the low 40s. Um, yeah, it's when I search Fontana, California weather, the entire next week, the icons have rain. So, and, uh, Saturday and Sunday both have pretty 
healthy chances of rain, it could be, we could be looking at a bit of a mess uh, this weekend. The We just got to get the vortex going. Yeah, I don't know about that. But the high for Sunday is 48. Um, it does look like uh, it's not supposed to rain much anymore on Sunday. Xfinity race is going to be really fascinating, though, because it has a high chance of rain during the day and a medium chance of rain at night, which means we might have... Now, Fontana does have lights, but it means we might have some interesting send-offs um, at the Auto Club Speedway to, to close out its tenure in, in this configuration. Man, I hope we actually get a proper race. No rain, no stupid stuff. It deserves a good send-off. It does. Let's get into some guys to watch out for this weekend at Auto Club. Some some guys to to pull for, put in your fantasy lineup. Of course, first one, Kyle Busch. Last uh, nine races he's run there, seven top tens, six top fives, three wins. He's led 413 laps in that span. His average finish is 6.3. Can't get much better than that. Joey Logano has six top fives in the last 10 races there. Average finish of 10.6, but he hasn't won. Brad Keselowski's got a win in that span, 10 races. Uh, five top fives, six top tens. Average finish of 11.8. Last year's winner was Kyle Larson. He's won there twice before in his career. And uh, the previous winner before that was Alex Bowman all the way back in 2020. Who who do you have your eye on for this weekend's race? I mean, you can't really go wrong with Kyle Busch. I mean, he is, this is like his playground. Yeah, I mean, average finishes of 6.3. And keep in mind, last race, he might as well have like, he might as well have like not started because he was a lap or a couple laps down, like from the start, like he was, he finished like 30th or something last last year That's and right. he missed a race and he still like has a significantly better average finish well, than anyone else right. next to him. If you miss a race, it doesn't count for the average finish. I guess you're right. Yeah. That's that's why he has nine on this list instead of 10 because he missed that race in 2015. But My yeah. point still stands. He is, this is his house. Like this is, this is where Kyle Busch like knows he can perform. So I mean, you really can't go wrong, especially with what looks like a rejuvenated Kyle Busch over at RCR. This is this is going to be the year he, um, I think he gets another win at Auto Club. He's going to have four wins here. Four wins. Is he your pick to win the race? Absolutely. All right. I will put Mr. Kyle Busch down. I'm going to go, I guess as we get into picks, Connor hasn't sent me his, so we'll tweet it out. You'll see it in our race day tweet, but I, I, I can't. Uh, I don't know his pick right now. Um, I'm looking to see Daniel Suarez last uh, as an average finish of 15 points. Uh, last year, he uh, almost won the race. Um, Austin Dillon has two poles. That's funky. Uh, three top tens and one top five. You know what? I'm going to go on out on a limb. You're picking an RCR guy. I'm going to pick Austin Dillon to win this race. Man, what a weird first two winners that would be. Ricky Stenhouse and Austin Dillon. Would you be shocked? 
Yes, honestly, that does that such weird drivers to pick. Wait, the wait, wait, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Shocked with the the combination of the two is one thing. Would you be shocked if Austin Dillon won this race? A little bit, because I'm still not like a hundred percent sold on on Austin. But, I mean, if he does well at, at Auto Club, I'm not talking about a win necessarily, just does well, then I could see him winning at some point. But I, I, don't, I don't know about Auto Club. It's it's a bit too early to, you know, throw out such crazy predictions, I think. He finished second here last year. I don't think it's a crazy prediction. Like, he almost won this race last year. Fine. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think I think if I'm right, and, and Connor's definitely gonna laugh at this one too if it ends up being right. Or just if once he hears the pick, but I, I think I will be owed an apology. Um but that that much being said, we'll get Connors in uh as soon as we can and, and tweet it out. But uh otherwise, any final thoughts for this uh weekend, the final race at Auto Club? Any any thoughts on Auto Club before before it goes away? We mentioned the uh, last week's winner, Ricky Stenhouse. He has two top tens and a top five here. So I guess we've we've seen weirder stuff happening. Maybe we could have a back to back Ricky Stenhouse win. I mean, we're throwing out Austin Dillon wins, might as well go full on crazy here. Yeah. Didn't, I think Stenhouse got a top 10 here last year. Yeah, he did. And he was actually pretty fast. He was in the top five at some point. He was battling uh, right up there with, with the big guys. Big guys of Jones, Reddick, and Suarez. Yes. Nice. That's right. Reddick dominated this race last year before junking it by mistake. Finish. No, that was William Byron that junked Tyler. Yeah, but he was still he still jumped it and probably shouldn't have. Oh, we won't get into that. Byron was up on the fence for a whole corner there, and Reddick still managed to hit him. So I don't know. I don't. No, it was the other way around. Was it? Reddick blew a tire, and then Byron just came around the corner and just never got away from the wall and just oh that's right any ko that uh i'm sorry i forgot i forgot the order man you're right um that's right this race was so weird last year what a weird top 10 anyway um so any final thoughts overall before we close out the show this was a weird segment <laughs> this felt this felt weird but um, I'm excited, man. I hope Auto Club, uh, I hope Auto Club was, puts on a good show for its final showing, potentially its final showing. I always liked this track, even when it wasn't like, even before the next gen and even before we, it turned into good racing. I always, I always had a soft spot for it, for Auto Club. So I'm excited. I have fond memories of having my heart crushed in 2014 here. What happened in 2014? Jeff Gordon was leading late, and Clint Boyer spins out with two to go. Oh, Clint Boyer has has uh, messed Gordon up so many times. I, I'm surprised you can still look at Clint Boyer and not want to rip his head off. I think Gordon finished 12th. He finished 13th. Okay. Yeah, he was leading. Um, Boyer, yes, lap 199. He spins out lap 199. 
I can't believe I'm still pissed off about this one. Um, man. Uh, yeah. Gordon got the lead on, on, on the final green flag run. Boyer spins out and can't, can't finish one more lap and fails to jeez i can't believe i'm still angry about this um the the you know how, how it goes there's the end of a long green flag run so everyone's tires are worn out so gordon stays out because you you stay out try to keep the lead and he gets swamped on the restart as one does so it is what it is. I, was... I have another fun story about Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon in 2014. You want to hear it? No, not really. But go ahead. Race number 34 in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, shut up. <laughs> and it, it also involved a certain driver of a white Ford. A champion of the sport. A legend. Brad Kozlowski. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Quick Bit Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by Washington on the Daily, SpoilerDiecast.com, and 213Simware.com. 213Simware, the sponsor of this segment. Go there to his website for all the latest and greatest NASCAR sim racing merchandise you could want. Put your design on a t-shirt. And also, he doesn't torment you about 2014 Texas over there. So, you can, Jeff uh, Gordon left the hole. Get over it. You were waiting to sneak that in, weren't you? Yes. Jeez, uh, this will never be resolved. Whoa, drop my pen. Great. That's that's what. Yeah, I shouldn't be messing with my pen during recording because now you just heard that on it. Uh, forget it. Uh, you you killed my entire flow, man. You 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 messed me up. Um. Thank you for listening. Seriously, this was a lot of fun. Always love the making the podcast every week. Uh, thank you, Eric. Even though you uh, torment me with this information and hearsay and lies, um, thank you for helping out. And we'll see you next time on the Quick Pit Podcast.